Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. And obviously with the pre-season recommencing for the new year there's obviously a few things that are going on at the moment but the biggest one for me and that came across my desk today is Carlton's Jacob Wiedering facing an extended period on the sideline after a calf injury not what you want in the preseason. yeah not a great injury and also he's probably he's actually a little bit young for doing I know he's been around but the calf injury and all that is more your late 30s yes Myself doing one umpiring an under eleven's footy game on a Saturday morning was pretty embarrassing. I like that one. Um, yeah. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports, local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis. Cricket and any other sports played in this wide world, and we're gonna have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome, Welcome to the game on. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, joined with Malcolm and uh, made a little bit of fun there. Um, you know, injuries are never fun at any time, but I thought we'd just chuck that one in there as a little bit of fun uh, that uh, doing it at an under-11s game was... Yeah, no was... problem with getting sledged <laughs> over that, mate. It was, uh, as I said, it was embarrassing at the time. I uh, did manage to limp around and get through it, though. So, uh, yes. fair, fair enough. And as I said, uh, you know, injuries are no fun for anybody and... Uh, uh, we were going to add uh, a little bit of the previously uh, on a previous guest about Tim May, and we might talk about that briefly in, in a second once we get through uh, our introduction with Around the Grounds. Yep. Around the Grounds. On Around the Grounds today, we're going to talk the baseball, uh, the SNFL. A couple of trial games have been announced, the soccer. And Mark Harrity is our special guest today in our past players and past legends. But we're going to kick off with cricket. We had Maisie on uh, late last week, obviously with the test finishing a little bit earlier. Um, very privileged to have uh, Tim May on, on the show. And obviously we left that interview completely unedited. Uh, just to sort of give a little bit of background and some um, uh, substance to you know what he is going through at the moment. Yeah, education is not the right word, but it was just giving... Yeah, 
an indication mm. on the medication. And look, it wasn't as it was a hard interview to do in terms of yes, it was emotional. I was thinking of Tim and trying to also help Tim out yep. with the answers. And yep. obviously, Tim's saying, "Hey," and Tim said it before we started interviewing Malcolm. You're going to have to jump in and help here, and that. So look. But let's get to the... Well, and, and also, you know, we did give him the option of, hey, look, if you're not feeling quite right and you want to stop, we're, we're quite happy to do that. But he soldiered on beautifully and, like you said, yeah. and you're as, able to help him. As Tim, and he's doing quite a few interviews at the moment, he's very keen to let's get the most important thing out there. Guys, don't be piss weak. Go and get tested. Yep. And that's Maisie. I think it's part of... Part of Tim's journey at the moment, and almost therapy, that if he can go and get some guys to pull their heads in and go to the doctors. And yep. look, I was openly talking to Andrew Rumble about that on Sunday, and Rumble said, yeah, I'm guilty of it. And I said, hey, most blokes are. Exactly right. Um, I've been through a bit lately and got told, yeah, I had to go and get tested for a few things. And yeah, that wasn't much fun, but yeah, you know, it's life and get on with it and get get it things done absolutely yeah. well once again we thanked him may yeah, for, for his so. time uh that interview is obviously on uh facebook and via uh, yeah. uh, the socials and and whatever podcast provider that uh, you might be with so do have a listen to it very very important message yes uh fantastic playing career and we obviously covered that but the most important thing as you said was just about the testing and yeah he missed one and that was probably the one that got him so um yeah, yeah. some some lessons learned there but mate we're going to stick with the cricket and look but that he's fighting hard yes it's in a good spot emotionally with his life and his relationship with Katie and his kids and all that and he really made the point that hey Let's get on with it. Let's fight. Absolutely. And he is. All right, let's stick with the cricket. Yep. Um, obviously, Tim was over for the Adelaide test. Uh, yep. Obviously, you know, we were able to catch him at, at just the right time to have a little bit of a chat. But uh, the test match in Adelaide, wow, um, it ended in basically two and a half days. What went so wrong? And I do have to say one thing, very unusual. I don't think it was a great pitch. Unusual for Adelaide Oval. There's some wording that the, they tried different grass and didn't, and it hasn't worked. Not, I admit, I couldn't work out that. Hang on, we're playing the West Indies. We know the West Indies aren't a great side mm-hmm. at the moment. I would have thought that would have been the old-fashioned Adelaide Oval Road, Bolt, rolled, rolled and rolled, and that you would have been batting on King William Street Highway. Yep, and it wasn't. You saw in the first couple of overs how much the ball did. And went, uh-oh. And, yeah, Travis was the only batsman of the game. Mackenzie showed a little bit for the West Indies, but yes. Travis was really the only batsman out of either side who got on top. Well, it's and interesting. I think the ball just kept doing so much. Yeah. And, look, there were some encouraging signs for the West Indies, but just overall, yeah, I don't think it was a great pitch. And I actually said, to the, said I was... With Harmsy and that, we were watching at the Queen's Head at that stage. When Travis, uh, when Alex Carey got out, when Kez got out, I said, I reckon West Indies will be five for at stumps. Yes. And they were, yeah. Pretty close. They were six for, yep. so yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned there, Travis Head doing amazingly in his home test, but I was quite impressed with Hazelwood. Is he Glenn McGrath 
2.0 because he, oh, he always to be has been putting the ball right on the spot. Yeah, he has, most times. He's always been pretty similar in that regard. And I think he actually he's bowled pretty well all summer and he beat the bat. Now he's finally got the Knicks and the rewards have come and it's been pretty incredible over the last, you know, his figures over the last three tests are quite quite ridiculous. You know, I think he's averaging nine runs a wicket. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Quite crazy. Where, where does this leave, obviously, the West Indies? Um, you know, obviously, it looked like they were in the game there for a little bit with the Australian batsmen not really going on with it except for Travis. Um, obviously, fantastic bowling uh, by a debutante. Yeah. Where does that sort of – or what does that sort of say to you about West Indian cricket? Are they on the complete rebuild or have they taken that next step and been able to produce a couple of really, really good players? The real worry is now will McKen will they will he start will they stay with Test cricket? Soon as someone's tended to do well from the West Indies over the last few years, they're they're then offered twenty twenty contracts. So it's very hard to keep people. So it's it's a world cricket problem where the where the top three nations have got to look after the rest and actually think of the rest whether that happens whether there's enough thought process and not selfishness we're just going to have to wait and see trying to get India to do the right thing considering 78 cents from every dollar in world cricket comes from India which is probably an incredible stat I don't don't think people are aware of to some extent of how much control India has over world cricket and we've now got these 2020 it's almost like a window and you know Cricket at the moment here, and also here, it's the Sheffield Shield is almost a tacked-on afterthought. Yeah. Play a little bit at the start, yep. get that over. Then we've got the, the real thing, the big bash yes. thing. Yep. And then the Shield season's tacked on again at the end. And you know, for me, I think we've got it the wrong way around, but I understand why, because yep. that's economically. It's going to be a hard one to change, and obviously yeah. some of our guests recently have obviously flagged that as well, and yeah. that it is going to be a it's it's a hard bus to stop at the moment. Shamar Joseph, as I was mentioning there, yeah. debutant, uh, you know, five for, uh, for uh, ninety four off of twenty overs, really looked lively at times, and then went on with it with the bat a little bit yeah, too, which cra- was really was, impressive. I think it was his attitude which yeah. everyone loved, and he, everyone fell in love with. It in terms well, the Australian of Australian crowds that. were clapping yeah. him. Oh, look, I think we just loved the guy who was. Just so combative and and enjoying it and having a real crack, you know. You get Steve Smith out, yes, and his first ball of Test cricket, and you have the photo of Nathan Lyon welcoming into the club of people who've taken a wicket with their first ball yes. of Test cricket. Just yep. that bit of and yeah, and look, it was quite on Friday when you know they made us bat again. It raw around the crowd, but you know huge. we got you know we said in the you know. I may have yelled out in the body line bar, yay, 15 minutes more drinking time yes. was what seemed to be the thought process of a fair few in there. Not me. Yes. Um, yeah, so. All right, a couple of last yeah, things on the t- on the test cricket. Um, yep. Steve Smith, you did mention just then, so you sort of led me into it very, yep. very nicely. Wasn't really a success him opening. Is it a case of we put a little bit too much emphasis on him being successful straight away in that role? Oh, it's one innings. Let's yep. let's remember that it's one innings. Look, I think the worry was I'm not. He didn't seem to know where his stumps were. Now Steve Smith used to know exactly, and never played miss. Like people keep thinking Steve Smith is so unorthodox technique. Mm-hmm. No, Steve Smith makes unusual ball move, uh, movement before the bowler. Well, that's let's what go I was of say. the ball. Shuffles Te- around the crease like nobody but I've ever seen. He's then in. 
generally in perfect position when the guy lets go of the ball and the ball generally gets hit where it should go. So, you know, Greg Chappell is the most anal person I've known about technique and he lords Steve Smith's technique. That's good enough for me. Absolutely. Um, so I think there, yeah, but he does – I just don't think – I think he's out of form. Yep. And he just – like that should have been let th- go through to the keeper. He's played at the ball on the fourth, fifth stump line. Um so we've just got to wait and see. Absolutely. And my last one for the uh, test match, obviously, here in Adelaide, was that knowing that Australia potentially could have uh, bowled out uh, the West Indies quite early or quite early in the third day and then obviously having to chase a very, very small t- total. I did hear Peter Malinowskis on ABC Radio talking about, you know, it was frustrating that, that you know, we've got yeah. the West Indies again, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to back over that uh, that subject. Is it a case that, that that Cricket Australia or the Sacker or someone could have arranged like a T Twenty style game just to get a little bit more value out of? I know it was last minute, but could it, could they have done something to just get a little bit more value? Because again, the crowd turned up on day three. Oh, I think the crowd knowing were that incredible. it was probably going to be all over pretty quickly. We've got seventeen thousand there on when, on the Friday. It was incredible crowd. Look, do I think that That's should I happen? I think it should be written in. To the agreements, but good luck getting the players and whatever to sign it. Well, now, not necessarily the Australian players, but maybe a, a local team or some local, you know, under nineteens or just something that shows you the next generation. I know it's hard to, yeah. to hard to organise last minute, but it would have been nice that the crowd got to hang around for another. I think it should be the. Te- I think it should be the test sites. Yep. They're there. They've committed to playing. They've played two days and one session. Well, not have a twenty twenty game, whatever. I, I I don't think that's too much to ask. Balls from, each. Yeah, I don't think that's too much to ask from the te- from the sides there. Yep. I will say, and exclusive here on Sportscast Media, say, uh, and I'll be very careful. And Pete, you may have to check this later yep. on that side of it. Maybe we can edit if we have. Yeah, to. Yeah, that I do wonder, allegedly, allegedly, that Cricket Australia compensated. Sacker for having West Indies two days in a row, uh, two series in a row, and the Test match beginning on Wednesday. Oh. And we'll, I think, probably allegedly, yep. I think we've left yep. it enough we'll, there. Yep. We'll leave that one as yeah. it is. But yep. you know, obviously, like I said, you know, whether something could have been arranged just to give a bit yeah, more I'd, value to the crowd, considering once again South Australian crowds have turned up to a game that was essentially over the night before. Well, the Test match starts on the Wednesday, so there's a there's at least the obligatory three-day break before the next test commences. So, therefore, Saturday and Sunday were still accommodated there. There was no reason why mm-hmm. something could have ha- can't yep. happen on Saturday or Sunday. Fair cool. All right, let's leave the test match yep. there. We'll obviously talk about the Brisbane test, uh, day-night test uh, yep. coming up next well, week. The weather forecast in Brisbane is not great, no. so it's a bit interesting there. It will be uh, to see whether they get on the ground. But we're going to move yeah. on to the strikers. The strikers finished out the regular season on a bit of a high and obviously making the finals. Um, really started to show just how cobbled together the side's been with a couple of players coming in at the last minute and doing their role really, really well. Jason Gillespie must be very, very happy with that result. Look, we knocked Perth out, which is a significant achievement. Their arrogance in terms of... It is a different country over in WA. You know, the bizarre headline in the paper there, they've only got one player, get short out, that's it. And I think there was something uh, on the the scoreboard scoreboard. congratulating them getting through. So it was quite crazy. And, yeah, look, 
Last night, Brisbane just too good. Well, one player too good last night. Mm-hmm. Brown smashed us. It was quite ridiculous. 140 off 57, you know, that's... Well, it was 100 off of, what, 41, yeah, which was like was, the second fastest one day, I think. Oh, was, sorry, yeah, T20. 100. It was quite crazy. And look, yeah, it was one man was just too good last night. And yeah, so the season there over. A disappointing way to go out, really, that yes. we weren't even competitive after... Game was probably over after that six, seven overs last night, realistically. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that was disappointing. But on a positive note, the, yeah, the Lloyd game Pope bef- coming into yep. the side helped. Yep. That seemed to get the, the balance. You know, we're going with the, the two leggies who are different. Uh, Popey's a bit quicker, bowls more wrongins yes. than, than uh, Boyce, who's more your traditional slower leggy. So that worked. And it certainly worked in WA, where yep. last night they probably didn't bowl as well. The one short side. Um. Yeah. So look, I think the bowling there is still a big question. Uh, Darcy Short didn't really come off. Um. Obviously, Matt Short did overall. Yep. Darcy Short and then Weathers was good from when he came back into the side yeah. after where Lynn had been very good. So probably I'm sort of going to mention that that you know. Jake, previous guest of ours, yeah. as we've already said, had a little bit of an indifferent start. But once he got back in, it was hard to, yeah. to get him out, so to speak. And I thought he contributed, especially to the Perth game, that yeah. kept uh, the, you know, the strikers in it. Uh, unfortunately, didn't go on with it in uh, in Brisbane or up at the Gold Coast there. Very probably just not enough overall con- yeah. contributors. Probably the wasn't enough. And look, it happens to all sides. I think it's a... You know, it's a bit farcical. It's almost tricking the public, right? We've hooked you in, so you're on now. Now, it doesn't matter if we've lost all the overseas players. And so guys come in who haven't played. And yep. Yeah, so it's. I, I still don't think the season's right. It should be finished while they're still yep. here. But, yeah, that's another topic. For you, mate, last one on the uh, the cricket. Big tick for the strikers this year, do you think? Or are we still sort of on the fence a little bit? I think a tick, but not a big tick. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably more say the 6 out of 10, not the 7 out of 10. Yep. Fair, fair call. Yeah. Uh, probably about six and a half, so yeah. there you go. Yep. Uh, totally agree. All right, mate, let's move on to the AFL. Uh, Adelaide Crows head to Robe for a bit of a preseason camp. I know that's a not a good word to sort of associate with the Crows, but I think they've got their house in order now. Yeah. And uh, obviously heading out, out somewhere local, um, I believe it's Jordan Dawson's hometown. So yeah, and I think they tend a bit of to synergy there. try and share that around a bit with all that. And look, Robe's as good a spot as, as any fantastic Facilities down there. It's yeah. I'm sure the road people will get jump jump aboard the bus and yeah, well, it'll be it'll be good. As we mentioned, uh, quite a bit of heat around in Adelaide uh, today. Uh, yes. I'm sure the beach sessions will probably be uh, plenty, and players are going to come back with a pretty good tan. All right, we move on to Port Adelaide. Is Port is Port Adelaide's Todd Marshall the most important player or important forward? Sorry, uh, for 2024. Yes. Short, Overwhelming, yep. yes. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, look, I, I love in terms of his little smart knock-ons, I love his footy smarts. Look, he probably hasn't kicked on enough. He's got to go for Port to go all the way, which you know I think there are a chance mm-hmm. they need him to go from the good player to the very good player. Is it a case of him just being in the shadow of Charlie Dixon a little bit, I potentially? Think, I think there's times Port are too Dixon conscious, yep. and I actually think that, Plays into the hands of the opposition, mm-hmm. um, you know. But now, Marshall Lord showed a fair bit in the finals last year. Yep. Uh, Finlayson, obviously, you know, look, huge, massive off-field 
things there with him. So and he started, yeah, he well started the year really well and fell away. You can't question, can't blame him for that. Yep. So that, I think there's some others there, and I think Port have got to make, concentrate on Marshall, make him. Yep. He's got to be the number one. I'm glad I put that one on the sheet, mate. Yep, yep. Uh, around the AFL, Brad Johnson, back to the Witten Oval to help the forwards in a bit of a consulting role, not necessarily a coach as such. Just, I think that's good. Yeah, I think it's, he's, a, he's a good person to have around, though. He's one of those bubbly personalities, full of beans. Probably that, I think, Witten Oval and Western Bulldogs with, you know, a beverage as coach probably needs that sort of person. Yep. As much as anything, because he's so intense. So I mean, obviously, yeah. his role on Fox Footy seems reasonably analytical with what he's talking about. Uh, if he can help those forwards, you know, finish obviously uh, the, the hard work done by the midfielder, I think it's only a positive. And like you said, there's other reasons there, and I think the bubbly personality is exactly Just what they try need. and teach them leading patterns a bit more. And you know, they've got Hugo Hagen. Uh, Norton, who's probably not a supernatural forward. Let's remember he started off at centre-half back. I think he's still more suited to the other end. Yes. Uh, Darcy, who still hasn't kicked on yet. So there's still plenty of youth there. So probably teaching leading patterns is, I would fancy, is that and then kicking for goal. Yep. But just where to lead to is probably yep. the thing they'll concentrate on. Obviously. There. And to finish us off, uh, just something that came across the uh, yeah. the, the screen um, this week was the number of top 10 draft picks that will potentially be playing in 2024. And there was a team that sort of surprised even me that was sitting at number one considering there's been some clubs that have been down the ladder quite a bit. There's been some clubs that have had some concessions along the way that um, you know potentially uh, could have been top of the list. But Essendon sitting top of the list with... Potentially 12 players, top 10 draft picks playing. Um, unbelievable yeah, it, stat, it, really. It is a surprise. Um, you know, it's... They've also had some some top 10 draft choices in the last couple of years where they had two in a row and all that who haven't kicked on yet, had fair few injury problems. So, yeah, it is one which has snuck aboard because you, you sort of tend to forget those guys yes. who've been injured so much. So, yeah, it is... A, it is one, okay, you can argue, well, hang on, Gold Coast with the Academy, those guys would have been top 10. So, yes. yeah, I get that. But I think it's it's a good one to uncover. And, yeah, it, it's an interesting one reminding that there's probably a fair bit of ability on that list yes. at Essendon and how much will it kick on or not. Well, that's something that we're going to obviously be talking yeah. about as the AFL season comes up, that Essendon might be a little bit of a dark horse because these players are getting on the park. Uh, you did mention Gold Coast and North Melbourne, obviously sitting at um, two and three, but the Adelaide Crows with five and Port Adelaide with four, that was an interesting little yeah. stat for me that, you know, that, that both those clubs have not really bottomed out, so to speak. I know the Crows did a couple of years ago, but... You know, not bringing in massive amounts and It's interesting of with Port, remembering one of them's actually a recruit in uh, Jason, Jason Orn Francis. Francis. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Crazy. All right, mate, we, uh, we, we'll continue on with the tennis. Uh, Alex Dimonor crashes out in the fourth round with a bit of an epic match against uh, Andre Rublev. Yeah, disappointing in terms of 3-2 three, three, in the fourth set. Was, yeah, this is going to go down to the wire. Come on, come on, uh, you know, Alex, and just fell away. 6-3 and then 6-love in the last. It was, yeah, really, really disappointing and brings back the questions which we all thought we were starting to go away about, Alex, about mental toughness mm-hmm. and questions about him. 
all of a sudden the monkey's back on the back yeah. again. Because so, his lead-up to the Australian yeah, Open was, was very, very impressive with yeah. beating a lot of these players. But he just seemed to fall in a hole there in the fifth set. And I think if he'd gone down, say, 6-4 in the last set, you, yeah. But 6-love, yeah. Hard, hard to console. Yeah, yeah, his partner was consoling him, obviously, while he was doing his warm down there. And I think that probably gives you a good indication yeah. as to how much that meant. And then obviously his interview afterwards sort of saying, look, you know, I don't want to be sitting here, uh, you know, talking about, you know, a loss that potentially I could have won. So, yeah, very, very hard. Mm. Storm Hunter had her best um, Australian Open coming through a couple of rounds of qualification and then making the third round. Yeah, encouraging. Again. Not her specialty singles either. Yeah, but it needs to be believe in yourself. I think that's probably a few people are trying to say, Storm, you've actually got the ability Believe in yourself. Yes. Don't just think I'm doubles and that's it. Yeah, so as we know, how much is sports played above the head? And I think there's a couple of classic examples. Absolutely. And obviously, we congratulate her. I did read a little bit of a background story. You know, parents basically, you know, have thrown everything at her for a tennis career and she's basically earned more by making the third round and being able to pay that back. So, it's just that Australian way, isn't it? Uh, so, we congratulate her on success and hopefully this is a stepping stone. Um, debate still raging about matches starting and finishing too late at the Australian Open. Do you see this as being a little bit of smoke where there's fire or is, or are we sort of making a bit of a mountain out of a molehill? I think it's a little bit of both. But I think, so we go the extra day. I don't understand why then Sunday is a rest day in it. Why not use that day as well? Mm-hmm. So let's get these games bang yeah, because it is ridiculous playing 2 o'clock in the morning Absolutely. and stuff like that. So I, I think they've, they're still, they've gone the one day longer. Let's refine it and get it better. That's hopefully still the next so- solution. Obviously, like everything, TV plays a yep. huge, huge part Massive in this. Massive part. Um, obviously, starting matches at 7pm, 8pm uh, Australian time does flow into early yeah. morning US and, and Europe and et cetera, et cetera. But that probably leads me to my next point in that, uh, it seems like the crowds at the Australian Open are, are, are well and truly up there as per normal, but obviously with those late nights and obviously the players obviously provoking a little bit of reaction to it, is the, is the Australian Open at risk of being lost? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. I, I think, yeah, I think that's pretty... I think the US Open is similar in that way and all that. So I don't think they're... But there's a few people there. I think they've got to jump on security and throw people a few people out a bit earlier while the while the turps takes effect. Yes, well, that was yeah. what I was going to say. So, yeah. all right, mate, we'll leave the tennis there. Yeah. Obviously, by the time we talk this time next week, we will be crowning champions. But certainly, looks like at this stage, Djokovic and Alcaraz are around about the mark. But yeah. Certainly the uh, quarterfinals that are, are going to be played over the next few days are going to sort that out and it's usual suspects at the moment. So... And the women's game, well, that's anybody's guess at the moment. There's players getting um, beaten left, right and centre. And I know we're recording a, a, a touch earlier and, and watching the Coco Golf um, uh, match against, yeah. I think, the qualifier from, um, believe it or not, Ukraine. So um, interesting there as well. So yeah, we'll, Coco's we'll, pulling clear in the third is, set. Yeah. All right, mate, let's take a very, very quick break and we'll come back and we'll whiz through the baseball, the SNFL, the soccer, and we won't whiz through Mark Harrity. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. 
All right, we kick off with the Giants, the, the baseball, as we sort of thought they would, uh, well, we sort of debated whether they'd take the foot off the pedal and try a few things or keep the foot on the pedal. They sure as hell kept it on the pedal, finishing the minor round season with a 29-game win and 11-game loss season. So I think statistically one of the best for the Giants ever. And how the batting, a couple of the games were close and I checked one game and it was... 3-2, and well, this close. Mm-hmm. Checked again you know, half an hour later, whatever, and we were still batting in that innings and, and ended up getting 12, 12 runs yeah, in an inning. I innings. think that was the fifth fifth or sixth inning where they yeah, piled on 12 runs. incredible. So it, it, that's encouraging where there's obviously a fair bit of batting power that can hopefully come back in a series and then blow the opposition away. Absolutely. So, yeah, look, to win four away. and So they tied up the minor premiership before the last two, mm-hmm. but still encouraging, I reckon, to win the last two as well. Agreed. And we did talk about that in previous yeah. episodes where, you know, they, they win three and then let the last one go or win two and then let yeah. the last two go. So um, what's been impressive is their batting and their ability to be able to score runs and yeah, big runs. Big runs. Um, 16-7 in the first game against Brisbane, 17-2 in the second, 6-3 in the third and 11-5. Yeah. Now, I do have uh, the standings up here on my yep. uh, on my screen. Yep. Their batting difference is a plus 120. Yeah, that's incredible. That's ridiculous. Their stat. nearest opponent has a plus 29. That's huge. That is huge in the scheme of things. Yeah. So they're not giving up a lot of runs. They are scoring a lot of runs. From a cricketing point of view, it's absolutely uh, perfect bowling, perfect batting. We look forward to the home series against the Melbourne Aces. Absolutely, starting on the twenty sixth of yeah. January. So, looking forward to watching that one with interest. All right, yeah. mate. We move on to the SNFL. We like, as we've done previously, we like to keep them in the yeah. in the news. Um, they don't have the budget, obviously, of what the AFL do to have it three sixty five yes. a year. So, we'll do our best to keep it there. But uh, West Adelaide playing Adelaide at Football Park right, there yep. and South Adelaide playing Woodville West Torrens at Flinders Virginia University over in longer, yep. week number one of the trial games. Yeah, look, Footy Park. I, it's I, a shadow of its former yeah, self it at the is, moment. Yeah, but at least it's still being used. Yep. And yeah, so they're going to have a look if, it, if I've got anything else on Absolutely. at that time. That yeah. is uh, March on March 2nd. Uh, obviously... Very important for some of those clubs, especially someone like a West Adelaide, uh, Woodville West Torrens under a new coach, to yeah. just see how things pan out and, and, and go from there. And then week number two, we've got Glenelg and Sturt at Thebberton Oval, uh, West Adelaide v Centrals at High Sense there, and North v Nord. I think the yeah, first the two games uh, at the parade, I think the first two games, Glenelg and Sturt and Western Centrals are being played on the Friday night. Yeah. And, the Nord North game being played at Nord Oval there at two ten on, on the, the Saturday. Saturday. So yep, correct. Really looking forward to sort of getting out to a few of those trial games and let's get some footy back on yeah. the agenda. And obviously Glenelg, captains, ex captains coming back into the fray. Are they the team to beat at this stage? Oh, I know I it's so. early. Yeah, no, they are. I, I thought all year last year they were a class above everyone else. My so. question is, who's going to be the challenger? Oh, I think Sturt have recruited pretty well. So, and remembering also, Sturt and Glenelg played in the reserves grand final as well, and there were some some good youth there. Mm-hmm. And also, Sturt's you know, 18s played in the grand final as well. So, I, I think they've got a fair bit coming through. I think 
for mine, they're the other side still. I yeah. couldn't agree with you more, mate. Absolutely. All right, mate, and we move on to soccer. Matches coming up. Obviously, we didn't get to play yeah. uh, on the weekend because of uh, stadium availability, yes. uh, which was a little bit frustrating, but that's okay. We'll move on from that. But um, matches coming up against Adelaide, uh, sorry, Melbourne City on Thursday the 25th and then Central Coast Mariners on the 3rd of February. Yeah, a couple of big games coming up to hopefully hopefully, a couple of good results and cement our spot in the top six. Huge. I totally agree with you there. And then some news that obviously is floating around. It's been floating around for quite some time. But the A-League troubles continue. Some scheduling, lack of growth. Um, expected that we're going to lose some some jobs through the A-League, which is hard to believe considering the success that seems to be happening in soccer. Yeah. Let's also remember that we're such a huge country that your travel costs and all that are enormous. It's not like... You, you get on the bus and drive to a game, etc. And it, a lot of national competitions do struggle overall in Australia. So, yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch. We might just touch base on that one when it comes to the soccer with our uh, soccer correspondent, Mary, yeah. uh, over Good the idea. next little bit and see if we can uh, sort of get her to articulate it a little yeah. bit more. All right, mate, we're going to take a very, very quick break when we come back. Mark Harrity in our Past Players, Past Legends segment. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends. Uh, today oh. we're we're pleased and privileged to introduce South Australian left arm express fast bowler uh, Mark Harrity. Eighty four first class games, two hundred and sixteen wickets. Uh, Magnificent at 254 runs, two hags, uh, with a top yeah. score of 19. We will get you batting at one stage. Um, and unfortunately, he had a lot of injuries through his career. Through That'll pay part of his story, but welcome aboard, hags. Thanks for having me, guys. Mate, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'd like to get a bit of background as to where you started your junior career uh, here in South Australia. Um, so... My story is an uh, interesting one because I, I, I was very lucky to um, to grow up in a street full of lots of kids. So we, you know, in, in winter it was footy and out in the street and in, in um, summer it was cricket in the street with tennis balls and stuff. And uh, I, by chance, one day was playing in the street with um, uh, up the driveway actually and um, my brother and his good mate were, just came home and his mate was a opening bowler for Port Adelaide called um, Paul Ridgeway. And um, at the time, um, Phil De Freitas had, had um, come over and was playing for um, Port Adelaide at the same time. So they happened to be coming around our house. I don't know if tea or something, but they, uh, you know, saw me bowling in the, up the driveway and commented and they both sort of said, you should be, you should come out to Port Adelaide and should be playing, you know, proper cricket. Um, and that's sort of really where it led to. I, I went out to um, Port Adelaide. I knew Brad Young from high school. We went to high school together, so I knew Brad Young was out there and sort of made it a bit easy to sort of reach out and, and, and go out there. So it sort of, yeah, it was a, um, I, was, I was a good batter with the tennis ball, put it that way. 
Hags, uh, David Curtin was playing with Port Adelaide at that t- exactly at that same time, and uh, he did say playing with Daffy that in the shower after the game he'd never felt so inadequate in his life. So yes, there <laughs> as well with uh, with Daffy. Yep. You you mentioned obviously playing a bit of cricket in the street there, and um, it sounds like uh, Phil Defreitas was instrumental in sort of leaning you a little bit towards cricket because I believe footy was also on the radar. Well, it was. It was. I um I loved playing footy, and I played junior footy at Port Adelaide um, and at Port Districts. So that was my local club, and um, uh, yeah, it was, it was sort of. I guess I was lucky enough to get picked one year in the state seventeens, and then. By the time uh, we got to the state, no, I got into the state nineties. The following year, I I rolled my ankle in the football season playing football, and it and it really um, ruined my carnival. To be honest, I sort of was on one leg and didn't have a great carnival, and I I was a bit frustrated. Which um, I don't know if that's what made me choose in the end, or what. But I, I guess the other thing is I've got two older brothers, and they're both very good footballers, and. So they didn't go as far as I thought they might with their football and just a choice to do something different to it. Like I loved cricket as much as I loved football. So just, I guess, a decision to do something different. Um, you know, I've no history really of cricket in my family. So, yeah. Um, so, I yeah, think it it's a just... fair point too, Hags, in terms of your brothers. I I thought Brett should have got, definitely gone further in his footy than what he did. So, yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. Have, have to get it out of the way. Who do you support? No, he's on the dark side. He's on the dark side. Definitely the dark side, yeah. Yes, no, there, there was never any doubt that Hags was going to be a Port supporter. I thought that might well, be the case, hence the reason why I asked. Well, well funny enough, funny enough, um, I, I did grow up with a father who broke for Sturt, and most of my youngest memories are going Dudley Oval, and my oldest brother would put his duff coat on with Rick Davis on the back and sit down one end of the ground and... and and I would sit with Dad watching third, and Peter Motley was my first real hero. Um, um, you know, watching watching football, and um, uh, you know, I still walk past and see him today every now and yeah. then. Glenelg, and uh, you know, and, and in awe of you know, he was probably as I said, my first football hero, as as he was my first probably cricket hero growing up. You know, yeah. watching cricket. Yeah, no, well. As we know, I've always used a line that he reminded me of Barry Robber, and you can't praise anyone more than that. And, yeah, we'll never yeah. know how far he would have gone. He certainly would have been an all-time great. I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Hags, and then, so going on to make your Shield debut against WA at Adelaide, at beautiful Adelaide Oval, and and that go through that experience there, Hags. Yeah, um, it, was, it was a strange debut. Um we uh, we'd won the toss and and I think we'd bowled and I think the the the, the wicket had a little bit in it because there was a bit of rain around and it had a bit of bit in it which I don't reckon it did for the next ten years I played yeah, on it but, yeah, exactly um, <laughs> to be honest but um, my I do remember my first over in in Shield cricket very well because it was the Jeff Marshall was the uh, the um, uh, Aussie vice captain at the time and. Uh, and I reckon he played and missed five or six balls, and it was probably one of the better overs I ever bowled in my life. And, um, and I think by the third or fourth over I bowled, um, Mike Folletta, who was opening with, he nicked one to Brayshaw, and Bray let me down. He dropped my first catch, and uh, and then from that moment, we I sort of heard 
um, very loud noise coming from the Bradman stand and thought, what's happening? And it sounded like the world was ending and it rained that hard that it, uh, we were off the ground for the rest of the day. So I sort of on day one, bowled four overs for maybe four runs and, and no wickets and uh, came out the next day and it it was a completely different day. I don't even think I got a wicket on my first innings on day, but um, if I remember rightly, it was a, yeah. a long day. They had a very good team and it was a very long day. <laughs> Was, was Gilchrist in that side? Yeah, Gilchrist and uh, Moody, um, Langer, Martin, all those sort of guys. So it was a, it was a fair lineup. It's yeah. pretty pretty handy. Pauletta Baker, yeah. you know they did. They batted deep too. They always had a fair bit of depth. And then mm. uh, your next game is actually your first wicket was against Tasmania with your first wicket. Come on, see if you can remember who your first wicket was. Uh, Hags. Yeah, I do because I toured. I toured England with him and. Yeah. Um, with an Australia A team, we went to England. As that was Sean Young, um, and Chwana uh, was his nickname, Chwana yes, Young, and um, and uh, was caught by Paul Nobbs in the gully. Jeez, you were lucky. You went. So you you might have been unlucky on the first one. You might have been a bit lucky on that one, mate. <laughs> yeah, I reckon he cuddled it. I reckon it hit him in the chest that he cuddled it somehow. But yeah, no. So um, yes, I do remember that, and uh, that was a bit of a relief. Uh, because, uh, yeah, you, you got to, after the first game, I started to worry a little bit. <laughs> and then sort of you gone and you ended up being selected in the Australian Cricket Academy that season. And yep. obviously, go through that experience, Hags. Yeah, how did that come about? Yeah, um, so I think I, I ended up doing two seasons in the Cricket Academy, which I was lucky because I, I know Glenn McGrath did a couple of seasons and Matthew Nicholson did a couple of seasons, I believe. But um, um, not you know, not too many people got the chance to. But I was lucky because I originally I, I, if I remember rightly, I was going to be part time, um, and then someone pulled out, and I was lucky enough to get in. Um, <clears throat> and look, that that was a fair lineup. I mean, we had. Obviously, Marsh being your coach was probably the the first sort of surreal thing for me. Um, uh, you know, growing up and watching, yep. Yep. watching him on TV and stuff, and then I realised he's, he's now your coach. Um, and then in the team we had, um, we had Shane Lee and um, Ryan Campbell and, and Dan Marsh, the son of Rod, um, and then the late Andrew Simons. Um, Nicholson, yeah, there was a, it was a quite a good team, and um, uh, Robbie Baker. Um, so there's some really good cricketers around at the time. Ian Harvey, um, yeah, to name a few. So um, it a was bit of really fun, good. bit of fun down the, the bit of fun down the pub down at were they down at the the pub no, at, well, down the bright down uh, at Port Adelaide? Yeah, no, they had moved by then. They okay. By the time I started, we were at Del Monte, right? At, yep. at yep. Henley there, so. That um yeah, never thought at the time I would be living not too far away from there. But um yeah, yeah Del Monte is where where we stayed and um and I've got to be honest with you, I, Rod sort of told me if uh, you know, what I'd get paid to actually not live there, and I thought, well, I've got my own house here, and I'm in Adelaide, and I choose to take the money and live at home. Um, so I mean, I spent a lot of time there, and you train with them every day, yeah, and. Yeah. And you have the occasional sleepover, but um, it was easier for me at the time. I I had a partner and I had a house here in Adelaide, so it was a bit hard to say I'm going to go live um, in a two bedroom room with, yeah. with a guy when I could be living at home. So um, 
but uh, yeah, it was still an amazing experience. And um, and then yeah, the following year, then I was full time, and that that uh, academy team had um, amazing some amazing players, and that was Brett Lee and Jason Gillespie and Mike Hussey. Um, so yeah, there was some big names that went through the, the following season. And then you, you did a tour too, didn't you? When did that come in, the tour to England? Uh, then was that, was that? Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. I remember the tour was after it was the summer of '95. Uh, sorry, the winter of '95 because we just lost the we just lost the Shield final to Queensland. Yeah, we don't um, want to talk about that game, Hags. That's still the black mark in South Australian we, cricket history. Yeah, I know. They, they they beat us in two days when we played yeah. in the minor round in Queensland, and we beat them in two days in Adelaide. So you always knew you ever hosted it was probably yeah. going to be the favourite, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, that, that, that trip, Stuart Law was – well, Stuart Law was the captain of Queensland at the time, and Stuart Law ended up being the captain of, of the Australia A team, which was um, – which was fun when you've just lost the shield. And, of course, they also had um, Matty Hayden and Michael Casper in Queensland. So those guys didn't mind uh, on the tour bus playing video of the shield final wherever we went. So we had to sit there um, and um, lick our wounds watching that. But, um, yeah, that was, that, that was an, uh, you know, another great experience. Um, very lucky, again, to have played um, in a team that had so many very, very successful cricketers. So, obviously, uh, Ponting... Langer, Gilchrist, Hayden, um, Elliot, uh, Law, obviously, I said, Peter McIntyre, um, Casper Ridge, Angel. Yeah, it's the majority amazing. played Test cricket, didn't it? Mm. Well, yeah, that's, to, to be honest, only myself and Shane George didn't didn't end up playing um, wow. Test cricket in that. The, Shane George replaced Brett and Julian injured before yep. the trip. Yep. And, and Potting actually mentions it in his book. He sort of in his biography he mentioned that uh, we were probably a bit unlucky, but the two that yeah. didn't, didn't play, but they had a very very successful team, and it was and it was very evident when we were there. You know, like the, the success they were having and what was happening, you knew something big was coming. And of course, the next decade of Australian cricket was dominated. Mate, you mentioned obviously there that uh, taking on the academy as a full time. Uh, type role, um, just go through some of the, the experiences of some of the players and some of their preparation, but also going from, I suppose, part-time to being full-time as part of that academy. Drastic changes yeah, but, had to be made as well? Yeah, that's probably the first thing you notice because when I, when I first played for South Australia, um, you know, the, the training was mainly, you know, after guys had jobs. Um, I, I didn't know I'd only just got out of high school, but, um, you know, I remember I think Tim Milston cut lawns for a living and other guys worked at banks or stuff like that. But um, So training was 5.30 at night. So you trained yeah. a couple of nights, two or three nights a week back in the day in first class cricket. But as for um, the academy, yeah, that was basically what a first class cricketer does now. You train every day and you... Yeah you've got commitments every day. So we got a taste of that at a, a very young age. And um, yeah, it was, it was sort of, a, I guess that's the first thing you, you wake up to is that, you know, there's running and, and well, it's funny now because I'm a coach of an academy myself, the Darren Lehman Cricket Academy, and I set the program for that. And it's, it's very similar. You know, you've got your couple of weight sessions a week, your running session, um, obviously your main skill session, um, your main competition net session and all those sort of things. So, 
um, yeah, I guess that was that was a bit of a culture shock. But at the same time, I, at that age, I just I just loved it so much. I you couldn't get the ball out of my hand, so I yeah. I'd never complain about bowling. And I think the other thing that probably helped me choose cricket in the end was I loved the heat. You know, even days like this, I if you told me I could have a cold day or a forty degrees day, I'd take this any day to bowl in because. I just felt it was so much easier to bowl when it was warm than than when it was cold. So it probably probably helped me choose football, uh, choose cricket over football. Yeah. Anyway. Now, one thing uh, it's not unfair to say that Hags is not Don Bradman with the bat. Uh, there was a game against Tasmania, and we only needed a few runs for first innings points. And Hags has gone for a leg glance to get the the winning the yep. winning run on yep. the first innings. Yes. The ball went straight off the back of his bat. To where the keeper would have been in Mark Atkinson if he'd stayed there. He'd obviously gone, started to go down the leg side yes, for Hags leg yes. glancing. And yeah, so beautifully placed Hags off the back of the bat <laughs> to get first innings points that day. Yeah, very hard to repeat that shot. Um, <laughs> very hard to now, coach it. You've got a very good memory, Joey. Um, yes, I think the only thing Sir Donald Brubman and I shared was a locker. I actually was lucky <laughs> enough to sit on his locker back in the original change rooms. The, the names were on the lockers. And yeah. I don't. I don't know how it happened, but I ended up sitting on his locker and I thought, well, there you go. You could have, you know, South Australia's best ever, well, Australia's best ever cricketer yeah. and probably South Australia or Australia's worst ever batsman um, <laughs> on the, uh, in the same locker. Oh, you certainly wear that one, Hags. You can go on that. So, yeah. So in terms of injuries throughout your career, Hags, go through some of the those and just the acute frustration because they're, Couple of times where it looked, you know, it looked like Australian selection may be a possibility, and then injuries intervened. Yeah, look, it's um, I, I guess the, the the strange thing for me was that um, I, you know, uh, I'd, I'd done angles and stuff with football and that, but I'd never had anything really serious, and I'd you know I hadn't broken bones and all those sort of things, and then um, playing cricket, I I had a, a bit of a slingy action that. When I got tired, I uh, my counter rotation got worse, and I, you know, I'd fall away and really try to shoulder the ball down. That's where my pace came from, and um, unfortunately, probably not knowing what we know now. Like, oh, I wish I could go back in time. I would have loved to coach myself, knowing what I know now. Yeah. Um, and, and that's hence why I'm still involved in cricket because I get the opportunity to do this with the young lads and try to help them. But um, for me, um, you know, there was debate over whether to what to do with my action and they didn't want to change it because it you know it was successful but unfortunately um i was playing in an australia 11 game um against the west indies in which peter taylor was the 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 head selector back then and he actually said before the game spoke to us and said look you know craig dermott's broken down in the windies and um you know we're looking to pick someone out of this game that you know might replace him and um um, you know, you obviously be opening bowling with Brennan Julian. You're a you're a, a realistic chance, and um, of course, I uh, bowled out of you a couple of overs at the end of the day. We got bowled out, and we had a few overs before stumps. And I remember walking off the ground, and it's the first time ever I my back didn't seem right. I couldn't bend over, and I didn't know what had happened. And uh, I got taken to get X-rays, and they said, "Oh, look, you've got stress fractures, and basically season's over." and I think at that time I was leading the wicket-taking yeah. in a field comp. So yeah, no, that was of, your best year, Hags, I, I reckon, at that it, stage it, too, yeah. It was, and it was um, disappointing because I was up and about ready to go and then 
of course, Fred and Julian went on and ended up replacing yeah. him. Uh, and I, um, I ended up going home, and there was a lot of debate over and arguments over whether it should be seizing ending or can they monitor it? Because South Australia at this time were a chance to finally win a shield. We were, we were during a successful period and we were top of the ladder. And so I actually flew home from an Australia A game with stress fractures and tried to play a shield game about four days later. Yeah, um, I do remember that. Yeah. So I did, but yeah, at the time to, to, to say I was a bit of a pin, pin cushion was an understatement. And I, I, I never blame anyone because, you know, I wanted to play and I chose that. I was probably a bit young and mature to make those decisions for myself, but I, I, I chose to, to try to play through this, you know, through the stresses and, um, and it didn't really work. And it felt like a nightmare, two years of just pain until, uh, eventually Dennis Lilly came along and, um, and changed my action and um, they, they decided to see if they could, um, which basically turned me from almost side on and I lost my sling a little bit and it was, it was sort of weird. I got sort of in between again and um, I, I, although I had good games and did all right and lasted another eight years or seven years, whatever it was, I probably was never as quick. I wasn't that yeah. one fifty bowler that I, that I was and but yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, I, I, I sometimes think I bowled better because I controlled it more. But I wasn't as you know, I was probably ten k's slower. So um, yeah, it was an interesting sort of thing um, at the time. But um, yeah, so there's the stresses obviously that I try to play through. And um, and other than that, to be honest, it was yeah, it was mainly the backs. And I, I look, I had like anyone a couple of knee scrapes and elbows and things here and there. But the yeah, that's part of the parcel of it, you know, and never stopped me playing. I mean, I remember breaking my finger on my bowling hand and, and I still played a shield game um, with it and taped up and you just do these things. But um, the, the back's the hard one because no matter how tough you think you are and you can grit your teeth and get through it, yeah, it's nothing worse. It's 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 not enjoyable back pain. Um, so, as I said, it's something I love to do and um, still do now a lot of private coaching where I've, you know, I'm very technical about bowling and, you know, I've spent a lot of time with a lot of bowlers, and, including Spencer recently. Yeah, I was, I was going to get to that. That's exa- I was yeah. thinking of Spencer as you were saying, and I was going to say, well, what of the experiences you went through and how much influence, and I will say personally, I think you've had the most influence on Spencer Johnson, um, and that with remodelling his action, how, how much of what you've been through became involved in that side of it, Hags? Yeah, I mean, it, it it had, but with him a little bit different because he's, he's not complaining of back pain or had any back pain. But I, I've i always, I mean, this is pretty much my 10th year being involved with Spencer and my 8th year being his head coach at West Torrens. And I've been following him, um, uh, you know, and it, through that time. And I've always I've always been concerned about how quickly he runs off the wicket. Um, yes. And... He, He's got the traditional, well, he did have, shall I say, the, the traditional load up of a front arm that a lot of the palms have. And it pulls you off the wicket, pulls you down and pulls you away. And, you know, I, I started looking into some footage of Mitchell Stark bowling and the way he loads up. And I just knew there, you know, I've been trying to get Spencer for a few, get my hands on him because I don't get to see him a lot yeah. sometimes, you know, when, yeah. when he's with the Redbacks. But I've been trying to convince him 
mate, you need to change his front arm. And I'd been saying it for a few seasons. And one year he just, well, two years ago, it was now, yeah. or a year and a half ago now, he finally, finally went, all right, let's do it. And we and we did it. And I can't get over how quick he changed it and fixed it and how much success he's had really quickly. Um, I mean, there's no doubt that natural raw talent was there. I think, if anything, I've just helped him with direction and, and pace because the funny thing about cricket is if you if you get your action right and get behind the ball properly, you get shape, you get you, you bowl good areas, you bowl yeah. better pace, and you're less likely to break down. So it can be one or the other, and I think that's pretty much what sums up a lot of people's careers, really. You I, know? Um, I yeah, do remember, you know, though, with that with Spence, I remember you showing me some photos and that hags, and it, it was quite a significant change that you did manage to... And he's certainly more – he looks more comfortable and probably more balanced than what he did. He, he does, doesn't he? Like, he is a very – you know, he is a very strong fella. And although he had some injuries at different times, um, he – one thing that may have helped him is he did he did take his cricket seriously and get himself fit, nice and strong and fit and, um, when he had time off with injuries. So, you know, he, he look, he's a strong lad. I mean – you look at him and he could be playing AFL football. Um, he's, uh, you know, and he's an athlete in the field. Um, yeah. He's got, you know, he's got everything going for him. I mean, it's really exciting to know that he's ready to go when Mitchell Stark's ready to retire, you know. Um, that, that's the exciting bit at the moment because he missed some years of cricket. I, I feel like he could play for quite a while. I know? certainly uh, hope so. And I just want him playing some first-class cricket for South Australia. Like, you know, we haven't seen him this year again because he did the no. the hammy and then he's just come back now and effectively just coming back for Brisbane now. And, I, yeah, I, the potential he showed last year and bowling on when Karen Rolton was just ridiculously flat was sort of watching you were going, wow, this this kid's not a kid, but he seems a kid because he hasn't played. Yeah. So he's hardly played. You're going, wow, this kid's got it. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I feel like. I, I, I hope they haven't missed the, missed the boat there with Spence at South Australian career because I yeah. feel like um, if he'd played a full season, him and Drew, I mean, Drew was our lead run scorer and he yeah. didn't get in the team till round five. Um, and... Spencer didn't until after Christmas either. And when you look at it, in the season they both had, if they played a full season, I got no doubt we would have dominated. And that was probably a little bit of my frustrations I had with the sacker at the time that yeah. there was two guys on your doorstep that were ten year olds at West Torrens that you, you're recruiting all these people from interstate, yeah. and two of your best I reckon are here. But unfortunately, they're not seeing Spencer this year, and. Fortunately, Drew's not in the team anymore. He's out of form a little bit at the moment, but in saying that, he's the leading run scorer in one-day cricket, um, doing it really well in one-day cricket this year for the Ribbacks. So hopefully he'll find some form again. But um, I'm just yeah, bugging what happened to Drewy, why the grip sort of seemed to change and that. And I don't know who got in his head, and I certainly know it wasn't you. I'd love to know there. And acute frustration because yeah. he was hitting the ball so straight last year and he... You, you you thought, wow, we finally got a number three. We finally yep. got a number four. We can b- finally build this on a, a South Australian, hopefully a, a run of success. And I think he got dropped too quickly this year. But yeah, he's, he's I, hitting I around think... his front pad. I, I just buggered why that grip change came in, Hags. And, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. And I'll, 
unlike Spencer, I'll never take any credit for his batting. Yeah. But, um, I, I can see that, obviously, and I noticed it, and it's a tough one for me to to question. I, I've got the uttermost confidence in questioning anything to do with bowling, and I speak with Ryan Harris and Butters, and in the past, yeah. anyone that's been up there, and, you know, we, we change notes and exchange notes, but with, from a batting point of view, I'll never question what they're doing. I mean, who knows, I'm... I wouldn't say that they're telling him to play across the line to his so no, things. Yeah. He seemed to have more patience last year, and I don't know if he's put, putting pressure on himself to, yeah. to As, score quicker, which he does need to do. He does need to do. They need someone who can, yeah. I mean, games aren't going four days. He, they need someone who's got some patience and he can stay in there, because it's, it's, if he does that, then when, by the time an Antti and Lehman come in, it's it's good night to oppositions, and that's what was happening last year. Yeah, and it was funny out of that, we Pete, I ran into Hags at a at a what's a one day game down at West Torrens on a yep. Sunday, yep. and I said because Drew was batting, and I, and I said to Hags, "What the hell's happened with his grip?" And Hags has just smiled and laughed at me. And he's gone, Rick Darling's virtually said it's just thing. over there. And I Rick had, I, and I hadn't seen Rick at that stage, and he was sitting there. And he said he's virtually said word for word what you've just said, Malcolm. Yep. So I mm. said, "Well, at least that means, therefore, my observations aren't too bad." So yeah. Along that. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure with that one, but hopefully, he, uh, hopefully something gets sorted out. Unfortunately, though, I noticed he um, just yesterday he got a, a first ball to chop one on. Um, first ball of the second looking game he's playing yeah. in. So unfortunately, um, but yeah, look, he's. Yeah, I know he's still got another year, and he's. I've got no doubt he'll be back. And as I said, if you get him and in and McSweeney and and Hunt and all that back in form. Um, it's a fair lineup because the bowling's not an issue. They'll bowl teams out now. Yeah, well, mate. We have to ask uh, about the workload of obviously cricket at the moment. It just seems like everybody's playing every five minutes. Is that a positive or a, a, a negative? But probably more along the lines of Spencer Johnson in him making those adjustments because he did have additional games to be playing in or additional um, you know opportunities. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, my, my biggest criticism is the, the scheduling. Um, I don't mind how much cricket they play at times, but it's. It, I just don't. I don't know how they'll ever fix it. But I don't like how someone in within the test team who's never opened becomes an opener because all the candidates to be the opener for Australia are all playing big bash cricket. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's the schedule. Yeah, happened. it's ridiculous. Yeah, that that seems ridiculous to me, but good luck telling the big bash to move over Christmas, yeah. and good luck telling yeah. um, Melbourne you can't have the Boxing Day test. So, yeah. um, I don't know how they're ever going to fix that one, but I, I just don't like that. And another great example is, and I'll throw this one out there: Spencer's now spent the last what ten or more months playing a, a game where you bowl maximum of four overs. Yeah, and he's. He got picked for Australia, and unfortunately, he did his hamstring in his debut in the one-day game for Australia and bowled eight overs. So he once bowled eight overs, didn't get through it. Now, what happens now? I know this weekend he comes back, and I know West Torrens play each other at Adelaide Oval on Sunday night in the grand final, yep. and there's this talk that everyone will play. So they're going to have be great. There's going to be over, going to be over twelve first-class cricketers in the game, which is, is sensational. But um, then what do they do? Because how, how's Spencer going to be ready to play shield cricket? Yeah, I, um, 
you know what I mean? Like, how's he going to bowl 20 overs in a day when he's not bowled more than four in a day? And I, I mean, look, off the field, he'll have to start maybe working on his workloads, but he's also probably getting ready for an IPL as well. Yeah. Um, in April, and um, that's where the straps was all over the place. It just mm. doesn't seem right, does it? No, no. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. We thank Mark Harrity there for his time. We we will split the interview up into two because that was quite a long interview. And uh, obviously, for me, bowling on the on the road, playing a bit of road cricket, a couple of players just happened to notice him going, hey, come and have a bit of a game here at a local cricket club. And yeah, Phil turns DeFratis, in, the England, ex-England yeah. um, you know, opening bowler batsman. A uh, good test match here at one stage, Daffy. Um, yeah, Hags there deciding with cricket or footy and mm. ending up with cricket. Well, he's, a, he's a guy who wears his heart on the sleeve. He's a very much proud South Australian cricket man. And, yeah, someone I've got a lot of time for. Loves cricket, loves talking cricket. So, obviously, I'll probably tick a base there with him. We've, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And obviously the last part of our segment, like we do with all of our uh, guests, is we talk about obviously their top couple of players they played with and played against, and he named some South Australian royalty and some Australian royalty. So uh, can't get any better than that, and obviously still involved with cricket, as he mentioned there. Coach of West Orange. Absolutely, and and like you said, loves his cricket. So, all right, mate, let's, uh, let's get into Happy Days. Happy Days. Right, kicking us off on happy days today. A uh, bit of a gun player who, which we've talked about previously, but I'm sure he's going to be talked about a lot more during this season. And that's Connor Rosie. Happy birthday this week to Connor Rosie. Pick number five in the 2018 draft. Yeah, he's a gun. He's a gun. We just got to wait and see now. Captain C, I think he, I think he'll be fine with that. Jump aboard, follow me on the bus. So I think he's pretty mature. You know, he showed that for North Adelaide in 18. As get um. As a Nord man, we certainly noticed how important he was there back then, Absolutely, unfortunately. Yeah, Port Adelaide Premiership player and North Adelaide football club coach Josh Carr gave Rosie his senior debut in the SNFL in 2018. And as you mentioned, pretty successful and and impressive campaign for the Roosters. Like you said, we just couldn't keep our eyes off of him going, somebody do something, but he was just so good. Uh, And like you said, now taking on the Port Adelaide captaincy, and I think he'll take to it like a duck to yep. water. So happy birthday this week to Connor Rosie. All right, mate, we move on. Cricket this week, uh, 1980, the West Indies beat England 2-0 to win the first World Series Cup. I think 1980, I think no, it might have been sure the World Series Cup. Is. World Series Cup, mm. yeah. Um, Google that myself. And, uh, yeah, look, West Indies back then, as we know, they were the powerhouse back then. Yep. Unfortunately... We, we, we just hope, we all want West Indies cricket to come back and be competitive. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll stick with cricket in 1990, obviously with the test being played yep. here in Adelaide. Wazim Akram scores test century 123, obviously at the famous Adelaide Oval. No, he batted beautifully that game. The, he was smashed him, worked it. He, yeah, class. Great cricketer. Absolutely. Abs- you know, one of the all-time great left arm. Swing bowlers, but geez, he could bat as well. Totally agree. All right, tennis, uh, 1983. Tennis great Bjorn Borg announces his retirement at 26. Five Wimbledon, six French Opens. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see the best of him here in Australia. Yeah, he went all right, though, didn't he? You know? <laughs> he didn't he went go right. too bad. No, it, 
disappointing that he retired at 26. But yeah, again, uh, I think he too. There weren't any enemies with Bjorn too. I think none of us disliked. No, well, his his enemy that. was himself yeah. as a young young yeah. fella, but as a senior, obviously, uh, you know. You don't get the uh, nickname right. the Ice Man for yeah. for no reason, and um, yeah, making the decision to retire a little bit earlier there, and obviously a little bit was touched upon during the McEnroe uh, uh, documentary. Yeah, um, unusual to see a player, obviously in the peak of his career, obviously retire, but he had his reasons, and totally respect him for that. All right, uh, 2017 Formula One, the Formula One group removes Bernie Eccleston as CEO, making the Liberty Media uh, Consortium, I suppose, yeah. make, makes the offer of taking over of, of $8 billion uh, of that organisation, obviously making some big changes. And I don't know, Formula One for me, it's still going through that evolution of it seems to pop popular one year and then not so popular next. And it just seems to be going through that ever-changing uh, evolution. Yeah, I don't think it's won us over it like it had it you know, back in the golden era, you know, yeah, look, old person. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge petrol head, but I'll, I'll certainly follow it. And yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting one. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. And to finish us off on happy days, mate. Uh, in basketball, Kobe Bryant scores 81 That's points ridiculous. in a 122 to 104 victory over the Lakers. Um, that's crazy when you think about it. That he scores 81 points, and it's the uh, well, second highest game total score in NBA history I behind w- w- Wilt Chamberlain. I'm buggered on it on both of them. I can't. I can't. I, it blows me away how someone can get a hundred points. Like what did he do? Did everyone just the opposition walk off the court? It's like you the know, Harlem Globetrotters, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's and 81 points. Yeah, that does blow my mind. Well, well and truly, considering the score was 122 to 104. Yeah, I mean, yeah it wasn't like it was a 70 point win. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I yeah, suppose in incredible. cricketing cricketing parlance, it's like the T20 where somebody is just yeah. going absolutely berserk and yeah. scoring 200 runs like Glenn Maxwell did yeah. in that unbelievable in Josh so, Brown last night. Absolutely. All right, mate, let's get into the Extra Time Big Finish. Extra Time Big Finish. All right, we'll be scooting through them pretty quickly today. The Base, uh, the basketball, the 36ers, what have they done? Maybe we've got to take a little bit of credit for this. No, yeah. I don't think so. Uh, they've won their last two games with some pretty massive wins along the way. Yeah, too little, too late, though, in reality. Um, yeah, it's been a frustrating year. You always wonder what was going on. And, yeah, so, um, yeah, as you've said, too little, too late. Yep, I was going to say uh, they're obviously trying to pump it up a little bit, yeah. saying that they are a chance to make the yeah. finals. I know there's five or six games yeah. to go, but I think it is a little bit too yeah. late, unfortunately. All right, the uh, we'll stay 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 with basketball. The uh, WNBL eighth place Lightning upset Townsville in a ninety to seventy five victory. Yeah, well, good. well done. Yeah, good win. Um, a, a, definitely a Simon Goodwin. Um, yeah, so at least that keeps them alive a little bit as well. So yep. hopefully. Kick on a bit from there, the lightning. Absolutely, and we haven't covered too much of the no. lightning this year because we've just been so bogged down with all the cricket and tennis and every other uh, sport at the moment that is uh, keeping us occupied. All right, uh, the AFLW uh, Adelaide will be hoping that twenty twenty four they can develop the next generation of midfielders. Yeah, I, 
I'm a little bit surprised. I still think they're a key forward short. I'm not convinced Caitlin Gould up forward and that. Um, I I thought they might have gone a little bit different way in their recruiting. But, yep. yeah, obviously reasonably happy. And, look, they're a goal away from playing in the grand final, so they're still around the mark again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Port, that's just going to be a slow build a bit. Absolutely. Well. Uh, obviously, decision-making when they get the ball in their hands, I think they were the – poorest in 2024 when it came to that. Uh, sorry, 2023. So the big challenge, obviously, for 2024 is uh, ball in hand, better decision yeah, they making. Had, they had Piper Window, who uh, will be a very, very, very good AFLW player. There you go. You've heard it first, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Do we believe that Brisbane is still going to be the team to beat? I think they're certainly well and truly going to be around the mark again. Um, they're probably missing a key forward as well. North Melbourne as well. Yep. Um yeah, it, it's again though. I personally think that the season should be starting about now, like it was. Mm-hmm. I think they gave up the golden goose, yep. and because the AFL Grand Final finished, that should be the last game. Yep. Bang. Yeah, maybe you could go like the SNFL, where we used to be the week later, yep. so the focus got on the SNFL. Yeah, that that's still fine. But to have another competition keep going and going, you don't finish the main movie and put the entree on. Yeah. Fair cool. All right, mate, and to finish this off today, we're going to hold off on the good, the bad, the ugly this week, so we're just going to finish off on this one here. Uh, should Adelaide, should the Adelaide test be day-night, day, or a mixture of both from year to year? It's interesting, though. I will say the I think the older people in general prefer the day test. Probably the younger crowd are more the day-night. Yep. Now, it's, I can see each... You can't say it affected the crowds this year to play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and getting 68,000 on a idiotic time schedule. Mm -hmm. So there's the rant. Insanity to start it on the Wednesday. Um, was incredible. So, yeah, I can see both factors there. I'm a bit of a mix of – Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. Um, Obviously, depending on who you're playing, where you want to be – and, again, like – uh, most associations like the AFL and everything, they know their age demographic. They know what they're trying to achieve and who they're catering towards. Um, whoever they're playing, I think is, I think, you know, it's a, it's bit, a bit of a, a, bit a lot. Like yeah, and it's a lottery though with the weather. There was one day night test match where we were mucking around, yelling out, run out, ra- we want to have rounds of soup. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about rounds of beers. Yeah. You wanted soup because it was that bloody cold. So, and it looks like where this one, it would have been perfect for day night yeah. as it turned out, yep. the weather wise. So, yeah. And it looks like with the scheduling that's going to go on next year, that um, most of the tests are going to be played actually before yeah. Christmas. Yeah. So, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. And I'm sure Peter Malinowskis is going to be pushing the uh, Adelaide th- Oval boat pretty pretty hard. Yeah. And look, I I think Peter there was was justified you know, justified in terms of yeah. what, what it was. He was only saying what we were all thinking. Absolutely. And good, good to have somebody uh, in charge. That's, and not afraid to push yeah. the push the envelope. Absolutely, uh, full, full in co- in coordinates with Mally in that regard. Absolutely. All right, mate. We're going to leave it there. We we will split uh, Mark Harrity's interview up into two because that was quite a long interview. And um, as per usual, mate, we promise to do better next week. And we, we thank our guests uh, once yep. again. And appreciate uh, Hag's time. Absolutely. Yep. And I thank you once again, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank you. 
In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.